0: Welcome into Best on the Board, presented by BetMGM. It is Wednesday, April 27th. On this episode, we take a look ahead to Thursday, April 28th, NBA Playoff Games. This should be a fun one. Three games, three road favorites, all favored by a point and a half and all three of these teams can end these series these are all game sixes all of them can wrap things up and move on to the second round so a fun thursday night of nba hoops ahead of us joining me to break down these three games two voices you know incredibly well on best on the board the first one of those voices you're going to hear belongs to dan sanromita dan what's going on
1: Hey, I love that we're in this weird limbo territory with these one-and-a-half-point road favorites. Uh, It's just such an awkward spot. They're all trying to close out series. It's such a weird, like, I I just, from a spread perspective, I actually think there's one or two spots of value, but, man, it's just a Mm -hmm. really awkward spot
0: what makes it even stranger is that there's at least one of these teams that I feel like no one feels good about right now as a one and a half point road favorite and another one that maybe everybody feels good about as a one and a half point road favorite and then a third where I could see the argument going either way which one is which we'll tell you in a few seconds but first we got to introduce Brandon Funston. Funston I agree with what you said before we just got started going let's wrap these series up and get on to the second round.
2: Yeah that's what I was saying and unfortunately with my picks I'm not going to be uh, you know, basically saying Uh-oh. that these things are going to be wrapped up. <laughs> I think there's two series here that are going to go to seven games. So I guess we can get dive into it and talk about it. But uh, I am ready for the next round of matchups. Unfortunately,
0: I think we're going to have to hang tight for a little bit longer. Well, I, I am certain without knowing uh, I am certain that this first one is one of the two that you think is going to move on to a game seven, and that is Sixers and Raptors. The Sixers are the one and a half point road favorite. In this case, 209.5 is the total in this one. I assume I'm right, Funston, and I am right there with you. Like, that's the one that is how could anyone in the world have confidence in the Sixers after what we've seen the last two games and hey Funston vindication for you because without that Scotty Barnes injury I think maybe we're already talking about a Raptors advancement to the second round
2: yeah you got to deal with the information at hand and I I really like Toronto as the upset pick in this series and then Scotty Barnes is out and now now what do we have is we have Joe Joel Embiid has has the uh, hand injury and Clearly affecting him in the last couple of games. You look at his points numbers; they're down. You look at just the last couple of games, and you're and you're right. It's like, uh, you know, this this series has the momentum has swung. So, I don't think Toronto's going to let this one get away. I think they have the momentum right now. They're the home team, and uh, they're you know the injury information now is. Is leaning more against Philadelphia than it is Toronto, although Fred Van Vleet's probably still out uh, for mm-hmm. this one, but I yep. am going to take Toronto to cover. I actually would, I mean, if you're going to pick one of these teams in any of these three games, uh, you might as well just take the money line if you're going, you know, if you're going with the underdog. So, and I would, I would take the money line of this one with for Toronto. And I'm also going to. So you take, yeah, I just really quickly. Plus,
0: it's it's plus 105 versus minus 105 money line versus taking the point and a half. Yeah,
2: and it's such a small margin, you might as well just do it. Um, so, and I'll take the under on Joel Embiid, 27 and a half points. This line has not come down based upon his injury. I mean, he's had 20 and 21 in his last two games. It's He's played 39 minutes in both games. Like, So it's not like he's getting less minutes. just not shooting quite as well, not shooting quite as often. And I think you can just look at that hand injury and say that's, that's what it's all about. So him getting to 28 right now seems like a tough road to hoe.
0: It really does. And Dan, I think that you are going to be on the same page with us here on a Raptors plus one and a half at the very least, which as Funston points out is basically saying Raptors money line too.
1: Yeah. I I feel less confident than maybe, uh, one of the games later on here, but I just, like you said, how could you have confidence in Philadelphia right now? Scotty Barnes has impressed me with how useful he's been. I wasn't thinking he'd be a hundred percent, uh, game five, he put up, you know, some nice efficiency. He's been getting some rebounds. It seems like he's been, you know, a difference maker in a, in a subtle way, subtle, but important way. Mm-hmm. And, and in beads injury, if he's not going to go off for 30 plus and James Harden, isn't looking like he did two, three years ago, then, and Tyrese Maxey has, you know, cooled down since the first couple of games. What does Philadelphia have? You know, someone has to have a big game and none of the guys that can have been.
0: I was, wildly unimpressed and let down by James Harden in game 5. I really thought that he could, you know, knowing Embiid was not at 100%, but was going to play basically his full complement minutes. I really thought we would see James Harden show why Philly swung the trade for him a couple of months ago and got him from Brooklyn because this is what this is this is part of the reason you went out and got got James Harden to have a true what you thought Second star alongside Joel Embiid, and it was still always going to be Embiid's team, but there was going to be someone there who was way more than a role player, a little bit less than Embiid, who you could turn to to carry you at stretches, whether it was Embiid having a bad night, whether it was Embiid being at less than 100%, whatever the case, or just, you know, sometimes you need a different guy to carry you, even if your star is himself and whatever. And that was just a woeful performance from James Harden in game five. And that would have my confidence totally shook. It's just one game, but I would just be like, you know, like what did we do this for? If this is what we were going to get, like, this is not at all the James Harden that was advertised as coming over to the Sixers. And so I would be very concerned about that. It's still an uphill battle for the Raptors because they have to win two more games. They have to, will have had to have made this a four four straight from three zero to 4-3. That is always going To be very tough, so it's hard to say like the Raptors should be favored or anything in the series, but I mean, they just they they flat out look like the better team right now. And if Embiid is going to be at less than 100%, which he is, like it's pretty easy to start swinging in favor. Of the Raptors, I really like the Raptors in this spot, and I also like Pascal Siakam in this spot. I'm taking the over on Pascal Siakam, 24 and a half points, and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, sprinkle a little on his uh, double double at plus 105. He's had two double doubles in this series. He had one terrible game, and then a third game where he almost got to the double double mark. And I think that this is something where they're gonna lean on him. They you know without Fred Van Vliet. Obviously, Siakam does what he does in a much different way than Van Vliet, but Siakam also becomes, you know, pretty clearly the team's go-to offensive weapon when Van Vliet is out. So I think that this is uh, this is going to be another big spot for Pascal Siakam back at home in Toronto. I, I like him to go over those uh, over those marks and-, and carry Toronto to a victory and force a game seven. I mean, we're all on board with that here.
2: I'm on board with. I'm, I'm definitely on board with it. I don't know about you, Dan.
1: Can you imagine what the Philadelphia crowd's going to be like for that one? Oh boy! <laughs> oh
0: boy! Oh my God! I mean, they're going to be like, like I, I think the anxiety maybe is going to be the overwhelming <laughs> fact uh, yeah. feeling in the arena. on that Home one.
1: court turns into a disadvantage
0: if they <laughs> start getting tight <laughs> right. i are going to
2: say <laughs> you're Start you know being decidedly against the Raptors, but if you know Philly comes out
0: slow, it could turn.
2: In that game, seven. yeah,
0: oh my god, and Funston, just like I said, like how much vindication are you going to be feeling? Me and Dan were giving you a hard time uh, after the first two games of this series, and then here we are now, we're all on the Raptors train here. That's right, we're full circle. I love it. It is. Uh, it's going to be. I. I. I want this one to go seven, and, and not just for my bets. Although, of course, that's like the, the overriding reason why I wanted to. But what a. What a game seven that would be if the Raptors are indeed able to win Game Six and force us to Game Seven here. Are we going to get Game Seven in Phoenix and New Orleans? The Suns with an impressive uh, Game Five victory, where they really were never in any sort of doubt in that one on Tuesday night. Game Six on Thursday night. Suns minus one and a half, 214 and a half the total on this one. I think the Suns close it out here. I think they finish things off. Dan, what are you thinking when you look at this matchup? Well, the thing that stands
1: out to me is the over because uh, at 214 and a half, because they went over since, – since Devin Booker went down uh, basically at halftime of game two, the the way the games have been played has, has changed, right? And, and new, both games in New Orleans went over – and game two, in fact, went way over, although it was, again, a weird one because it was when Booker got hurt. Yep. Uh, and then in game five, CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram went two of 13 from three, and the total was five uh, uh, five five and a half off of this number, I believe. So... Yep. And it, that game was I pushed back a little on it ever being in doubt. There were some moments in the last four minutes or so where if New Orleans and Ingram in particular, I think might had had one, they hit one more big shot and they get within a couple possessions and then maybe Phoenix gets tight and they missed every one of those. And if they hit that extra shot, then you're going to start fouling at extra possessions and extra points. So I think the over is a good trend as long as New Orleans hit some shots and to trust them to do so at home.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I circled as well. I had the over as the one thing that I, you know, that I would be on. And I, I just, I have a hard time figuring out who's going to win the games in this series. It's just been yeah. back and forth. And there's only been one close game the whole time in terms of the final score. But what's jumped out at me is the over has hit. Uh, on three or five of these games and the winning team has scored 110 plus in every game. So if we get a, if we get a close game, we know, you know, we we should get a team that's going to score 110 plus. And if we get the, if we get the actual Vegas line here, then that should carry us to the over with ease, I would think, but you're right. It's just been these random 99, 97 point games that have kind of held, held the under in a couple of them. Um, but if these two teams come out and and don't don't have those shooting lulls, as you mentioned, um, then we should hit the over here. So I'm gonna take the over. That's what I feel comfortable about. I think I I think I'm leaning New Orleans to make this seven. Oh wow. So might as well wow. just follow the trend. It's gone back and forth in each game, so it's New Orleans's turn to win.
0: See, I I really I was really impressed with what we saw from Phoenix in game five, and what I was most impressed by was who it was that was doing it for Phoenix in this game? Obviously, you know this team is not going to realize its championship goal without a healthy Devin Booker. I mean, next round, right? I mean, if yeah. they're if they're staring down a matchup with the Mavs next round and they have to play some of it without Devin Booker, I think they're going to have a much harder time weathering Dallas without Booker than Dallas proved to have weathering Utah without. Luka Doncic. They need Devin Booker back if they are going back to the finals and taking that next step that they came up short uh, last year against Milwaukee from doing. But I mean, look, Mikel Bridges, what a game he had, scoring 31 points in that one. Campaign came up with 12 key points in this one uh, also. Uh, made a couple of threes, made a couple of big shots for them. He had a nice game. It was a pretty inefficient game from Chris Paul scoring the basketball, uh, but he still gave you 22 points. Uh, it was you know, a nice, a nice enough effort from him scoring and then, of course, dished out the 11 of, uh, assists uh, Deandre Ayton 19 points on 8 of 13 shooting the the sort of efficient night that you need to see from him Jake Crowder gave you 9 points I mean like everyone did a little bit with Mikel Bridges stepping up in such a big way and so I just I like the way that we saw Phoenix win this game not with a 40 point game out of Chris Paul not with this just override overriding ridiculous three point shooting night that is unsustainable for this team without Devin Booker they just One, this is the Phoenix team we saw during the regular season that was going out night in, night out, and taking care of business against a team that, quite frankly, just isn't anywhere near as good as they are. And so, I like that they recentered themselves in Game Five. I think they end things here in Game Six. One and a half is a friendly enough spread for me. Of course, I'm just gonna—I'll go ahead and uh, just lay that one and a half and take the Suns because you know this is this is ultimately even without Devin Booker the better team in this series. Brandon Ingram is having a coming out party in this series. And I love to see that love to see, I really love to see all these guys on this new Orleans team having such a, a big series. Cause being a big college basketball guy, like I am like, I love seeing Brandon Ingram maybe turning into a superstar. I love the, all the love that Herb Jones is getting loved him at Alabama. Would have liked to see him go back to school for one more year and what that Alabama team could have been this year with him. So I like to see these college guys having uh, such a great series guys who had these big college careers, but Phoenix is the better team. Phoenix takes care of business. Phoenix moves on to the next round.
1: Yeah, I'm in. I, I think I think it's possible. I don't know. This series is hard to predict from a results perspective, so that's why I'm sticking to the total. But uh, yeah,
2: it, the idea that popped into my head is that Phoenix might is a more experienced postseason team and has has the better you know floor general. But yep. It's not it, it, when you just break these players down individually and compare and contrast the two lineups. It's not it's not decidedly favored for Phoenix without Devin Booker. So uh, you throw in a home court advantage in and in a keep the series alive kind of sentiment from the New Orleans side, and I think it gets a little bit closer. And that's why we're looking at a one and a half point spread here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sitting here trying to say that Phoenix should be minus four and a half. I think this is a fair spread. I just think that uh, that ultimately they're the they're just even without Devin Booker, they are the better team, and they've got New Orleans on its heels. They take care of business, they finish things off, and uh, maybe we all get the uh, the the result we're looking for—a close <laughs> game—to help push the over with the Suns taking care of business and moving on to the next round. All right, guys, last game of the day here, and uh, this should be a fun one as well. It's that familiar one-and-a-half point spread. It's that very familiar Dallas and Utah series. Mavs laying the one-and-a-half in Utah. 209-and-a-half is the total on this one. And Guys, five games in, two weeks, whatever the hell it's been in, I'm finally ready to admit that Utah's probably cooked. (laughs) <laughs> yeah
2: i'm with you this is the one i feel the most emphatic about i just feel like dallas has proven in this series that they have utah's number and you know if it wasn't for that one point win a couple games ago with this one's not one we're not even talking about but dallas's wins have been have been emphatic and the jazz's two wins have been ekers, you know they're just barely getting by but now you got donovan mitchell who's not 100 percent and luca's back and uh you know they're coming off a 77-point game. So I'm going to take Dallas uh, to cover this one. And I'm also going to – I mean, what? What's, what's? why is Vegas so slow to take on Jalen Brunson right now? You know, you can get his <laughs> – his point total is 20.5. He's averaging 28.6 and has been no worse than, than 23. He's shooting like plus times a game. PRA is 28.5. His season – points total average is 28.6 so that's higher than what his pra is so and he's getting nine and a half on average uh, rebounds and assists this series as well so i'm taking the pra over of uh, 28 and a half and i'd be tempted to just take the throw the 20 and a half on the point total as well they're both like minus 110 minus 115 so reasonable juices on both of those and they're just not catching up to the fact jalen brunson's here to stay right now with what's going on with his mavericks team
1: even with Luka returning, his numbers have still been up, which has surprised me. And, and I think been what's really flipped the series because yeah, we know Luke, Luke is great and we kind of thought he wouldn't be a hundred percent. I think he's probably surpassed my expectations for how he's performed in his first couple games. But the key has been that Brunson has still been so effective and that's why Dallas is clearly better. It wasn't you know, they didn't have to reintegrate and figure out the fit. It was, oh, we got two guys who could score now, and they've been carrying the scoring load. And, and look, in Utah, as Beller was saying, like, they're just so – it feels so broken right now. Like, they shot three of 30 from three in game five, which obviously I don't expect to repeat. But if Donovan Mitchell doesn't play or is even, like, hampered that he plays as pro as he did in game five, this line is just wrong. To yeah. me, like, I, it's just it's a weird one. I, I was on the Mavs uh, in game five, and that turned out would be one of the best predictions. I I don't see how this line is so close, given what we've seen this series. And if Mitchell, you know, he might be a detriment to the team or he might not play, in which case this line can't
0: stay at where it is. I feel sort of like you get do either of you guys watch um, uh, Game of Thrones. Either you guys Game of Thrones guys. I read all the books. You did? Wow. Yeah. I I read all the books
2: before the series. Well, I mean, I read a few of the books before the series started, and then the other ones came along while the series was happening. So you read the books and never watched the show? I watched I watched season one and part of season two. My problem was my wife wouldn't watch it with me. It's too violent and all that. Yeah. And I kind of just felt weird just sitting there at night just watching it by myself. I kind of <laughs> wanted someone to enjoy Funston it after with. dark, yeah. yeah. Especially since I kind of <laughs> knew what was going to happen anyways. I kind of wanted to live vicariously to someone who didn't, and and so she wouldn't do it with me. So maybe my kids are old enough now. I could maybe. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just stop after the sixth season and just imagine yeah. the ending for yourself. I'll tell you that. Uh, Dan, you watch, did you watch Game of Thrones? Are you Thrones cat? No,
1: I barely watched it. I'm not much of a fantasy guy. Sorry. Stick to the All sci-fi. Alright.
0: Right. Well, I'm I'm not much of a fantasy guy either, but you don't have to be a fantasy guy to, to really get into Thrones. It was an awesome show for six seasons and then it fell off a cliff. Anyways, not here to talk about that, but I feel sort of like Funston, you'll get this. I feel like I am, you know, one of the one of the uh citizens of Westeros who gets killed and then brought to life brought back to life by the white walkers, uh, yeah. here with Utah, right? It's like Utah D- Dallas killed me. And now they've brought me back to life as a Mavericks person because right. of just how thoroughly they have dominated, uh, like it's three to two. This does not have the, the feeling or shape of a three, two series going to game six. And just with the, with the way that game five went and me being so staunchly on Utah and making fun of Dan leading into our picks. Cause he was on Dallas and I was on Utah and then, <laughs> Utah scores 77 points and embarrasses themselves. Like I, I feel like I am now a Dallas Mavericks white walker. And so I'm in on the Mavs. Mavs minus one and a half. Uh, i half. I'm with you on the, uh, the Brunson plays. I'm probably not going to play them myself because I'm just I'm going to play Lucas PRA. Lucas PRA is at 48 and a half. And so what, this guy misses three games in this series. He comes back in game four it's up thirty ten and four so it comes up just shy of the 48 and a half and then 33 13 and five going comfortably over it I, I mean just what a player what a ridiculous uh, first two games to come back in a playoff series I say Luke over 48 and a half I'll join you guys on the Mavs minus one and a half and um yeah, maybe we can get the design department to mock me up as a like a White Walker with a Lucas something <laughs> yeah. like that. I'll
2: say there's a few statements I made about the Mavs early on in this series that I would like stricken from the record as well. <laughs> <laughs> They've totally turned me around in this one. But yeah, I was like I was kind of scoffing at the whole idea the Mavericks could win this series going into it, and now it's I'm in a completely
0: different place. Yeah, they have just really looked the part of uh, not only the team that is the better one in this series, but is one that, with or without Devin Booker, can really challenge Phoenix in the second round, assuming that we do indeed get Dallas and Phoenix in the second round. And that's going to do it for this episode of Best on the Board. Thank you so much for listening. For Dan, for Bunston, I am Michael Beller. Good luck. Happy betting. We'll talk to you soon.